how do you think we get a blue check mark? Well, I mean, I, I don't really know what the requirements are specifically, but I do know that I've seen some randos have them. Yeah, I mean, total randos. Like just last week, I was arguing with like a weatherman in like uh, Colorado Springs <laughs> I saw that. about John Elway. And that jabroni's got like a thousand followers and he's got a blue check mark. And I, what I makes mean, a weatherman's job so important that they need a check mark? Well, that like, guy was also the subject of a Washington Post profile in like 2013 about climate change, I, which he doesn't think is real. Hmm. And he also thinks John Elway is a great quarterback. So I'm not saying, you know, if you don't believe in <laughs> science, <too> that you <laughs> also think John Elway was good. But in this case, it checks out. You're not not saying it either. Right, and, exactly. And, you know, I don't understand how the the checkmark system really works. I hear that Twitter is no longer accepting blue checkmarks at this time. I've so, heard that as well. Although it seems like maybe maybe during the corona panic, like maybe they should relax a little bit. Like maybe. Well, uh, maybe they're afraid of people getting checkmarks and saying dumb stuff to the public, like go out well, in public and stuff. That happens with regularity. So I don't. I don't know that we can avoid that. I also that. don't I mean, understand. Listen, no people are going to say yet. dumb stuff on the internet, man. Yeah, but there's no inventory on check marks. I don't understand how Twitter is no longer accepting qualified accounts. I Maybe they were giving them out too much. I, yeah. My guess would be Twitter was passing out the check marks, and then they started to have some serious regrets yeah. about the people that had the blue check marks. They realized the power that they were handing out to people, and they realized we don't we don't want to give these people that much power. Well, now, weren't you telling me earlier that people with blue check marks have some sort of like magical check mark filter on their Twitter so that they know that as someone important talk to them, otherwise they can just filter out all the idiots. Yes. I've heard that it's like a secret society, right? Like where there's like a, <laughs> living among like us. A, yes. Living among us. Yes. They, they have like the ability to filter their notifications. Right. So it's like, only show me responses from people with blue check marks. The rest of those plebs, they do not matter. So when Patrick Mahomes has like 10,000 likes yeah. or 1,000 replies to his tweet, he How can... does he find Garrick Dieter talking trash on him through that? Well, the real question is how Garrick Dieter got a blue check mark because oh, he's yeah. basically just like our team mascot. I don't think KC Wolf has a, a blue check mark. <laughs> Here's what I want to know, by the way, while we're on the subject of blue check marks how do they give out blue check marks? So like I follow an account or I, I don't follow it, but I've seen it. There's like an account called thoughts of dog and it's not a real dog. Of so, course not. but it's got a check mark, which means it's verified. So like what, I mean, what gives I'm real bird lawyer. It says <laughs> in my tweet, that's who I am. Why so don't, why don't I get mark? The only way I would guess there is that there's some sort of other outside Twitter source for the dog thoughts like a website or a book or like some sort of official thoughts of dog source that is then being tweeted by this account that's the only way i can think of because otherwise it makes no goddamn sense and we could all just have check marks so you're saying if i were to be posting this content right now like on a big sports website somewhere that i could get a blue check mark i think i know what you're talking about and I like where you're going. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we work for Sports Illustrated now?
Welcome in, everybody, to episode seven of It's Always Sunny in Chief's Kingdom. And for those of you that haven't heard, we totally sold out. We're corporate now. We uh, were contacted by Josh Briscoe, who many of you know from his work with 810 and The Athletic. He does a great Chiefs podcast with Seth Kaiser and Nate Taylor called Times Hours. He approached Taylor and I about doing some content, namely this podcast, for a new site that's launching under the auspices of the great Sports Illustrated. And so here we are. So uh, we're just going to keep giving you the exact same content with uh, minimal corporate oversight. But if you do have any complaints, you can direct them to at JB Briscoe, I believe is his Twitter account. Yeah, that's correct. And it's super exciting. Uh, That's the kind of stuff that we've been dying for is some sort of uh, boost to our followers and our, our listeners and all that stuff um it's and the called, blue check marks to be honest and, that's and the really, blue check marks is really all i'm in it for in fact i might just quit the moment i get the blue check mark I'm not yeah well because they that. can't take it away i don't think so <laughs> uh the website is arrowhead report you can find it at arrowheadreport.com or if you want to see the actual official relationship with sports illustrated you can go to si.com slash nfl slash chiefs and that'll go to our new home our new uh you know home for the always sunny and chiefs kingdom podcast we're really excited we're going to be given weekly content uh little little blogging little you know a couple hundred words every now and then but mostly we're excited because you will get um a weekly link for our episodes So for all of you OG listeners out there, thank you so much for your support through the first six episodes. We definitely did not expect to be where we are right at this moment recording this, but we know who you guys are and we have those, uh, you know, we have those mailbag threads. We will always know. We can always go back and look at those if we forget, which we won't. Uh, But we really do appreciate the support that we've gotten from everybody. And for those of you that are new, welcome in. Uh, All of the episodes I'm sure will be available. Go back and listen to them. There is a banger, a legendary first episode, the debut episode. We roasted John Elway. We talked about what a trash quarterback he actually was. Uh, We roasted Derek Carr, I think, in episode three. Just some good stuff. Go go in and check it out, the backlog. You know, you don't want to be that guy that's getting into a show just when it starts to get popular, and you haven't gone back and, like, checked out the original content. You know, like, you want to be hip. You're talking about it at the water cooler, and somebody's like, well, yeah, but, like, did you listen to episode one? Go listen to episode one, bro. And you can find that at sunnyinchiefskingdom.buzzsprout.com or wherever your podcast application is available. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We've only done the six episodes. And at this rate, we're going to be hosting SportsCenter in like two months, right? Like yeah, this there is, is a, a meteoric Center. rise. It is. That's true. And to be honest, uh, yeah, I mean, we're basically the Patrick Mahomes of podcasts. <laughs> I don't want to overshoot our coverage here, but like, I mean, right now we just threw six touchdowns against Pittsburgh. There's some MVP buzz, you know, it's, it's good. It's a good situation. Uh, so for those of you who are new, um, some of the things that we've kind of been doing, some of our regulars will obviously talk a little, talk a little sports news. There was a little bit of uh, chiefs news since last week. We've been doing a game-by-game recap of the 2019 championship season. That always feels good to say. This week, we're talking about literally the worst Chiefs game of the Pat Mahomes era. I'm sorry that this is the one that you came into for you new listeners. We're talking about Chiefs versus Colts. We'll also probably talk about some of the other losses in the Chiefs era just to, you know, get some content in there. We've got some Madden content. We're going to talk about Madden because that's the only football that's on right now. 
there was some juicy Madden content just this evening uh, between <laughs> Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew. We'll talk about that. And then heated. we'll probably close it out. Oh, it was very, very heated. And hopefully those tweets have been deleted, but I, I screen grabbed them for you. Um, and then I think we'll probably close it out. We had some questions after, uh, after our John Elway, you know, crusade for lack of a better word about what our top 10 QBs of all time would be. So we're going to do like a draft style at the end. We're going to draft our top 10 QBs. We'll, you know, we'll do, do a little debate there. Uh, it'll be great. It'll be fun. So Taylor, um, news, news. We had a, uh, News, Another news, 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 news. news, news. news. We're, uh, we're getting the band back together. The Chiefs are running it back. They are trying to bring back anyone who was a part of the magic that was the 2019 season. And that includes wide receiver three to Marcus Robinson coming back on a one-year deal. Yeah, it was one of those things where the Chiefs are, are showing already that they have a an understanding of how this new CBA is working out because my understanding is they've used a new trick in the CBA to reduce his cap hit to a million dollars. I think he's getting paid three and it's only counting for one against the cap. So a little bit of wizardry there by Brett Beach. I can't believe we've made it already 10 minutes or so into this podcast and we haven't talked about how the Chiefs have $177. Had. Had. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping to learn that Demarcus Robinson was signed for $177, but uh, apparently that was too good to be true. He is signed pretty cheaply, though. And, you know, we've talked about Demarcus before. We talked about him in particular uh, when we were recapping the season. We were talking about the Raiders game, which was his big coming out party. Uh, That was by far the best game of his entire career. In fact, I think it was his only career game with over 100 yards receiving. And, you know, DeMarcus is fine. He's got some physical tools. What I like about him is, number one, the price is very reasonable. Number two, we've talked about, obviously, with all the flux in this offseason, having a guy who's been in the locker room who more or less knows the offense. I think there's a question of, you know, how much DeMarcus really knows about the offense. He's always had a reputation as being a little bit of an improviser. But he clearly is very tight with the guys and I know everybody on the team was excited to see him back. Now, Austin, I've heard speed has something to do with it. Speed has everything to do with it. That is his defining trait for sure. Um, You know, when we get into this Colts game, which we will in a minute, this is kind of a good week to be talking about Demarcus Robinson and not to throw a wet blanket on it. Like I, I like Demarcus a lot as a person and I think he fills a valuable role, especially for the price. Uh, But the problem is, I mean, he just, he doesn't really do very much on mm-hmm. his own, um, but he's a useful piece to have. I mean, like, is he going to step up when Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill are hurt and Patrick Mahomes is hurt and you need somebody to separate against a garbage Colt secondary that has all of its cornerbacks uh, on the injury report? Nah. Nah. Because we saw it and it didn't happen, but he's, uh, he's serviceable and I'm glad to have him back. And like you said, I mean, we're getting the band back together. That's, that's what it is. It's all about running it back. And I think, you know, I don't know if that was the chief's plan coming in, but it certainly seems like they are adapting to this new world that we're all lurching into. And the reality of it is, you know, I mean, that familiarity is important. It's valuable. We don't know what the off season is going to look like. We don't know what the season's going to look like. You might as well bring back guys that have been there before. 
Yeah, and I'm surprised we haven't seen this more around the league. I guess I haven't been tracking the other teams as closely as I have the Chiefs, but you would think that anyone that was on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl um, would be trying to bring back as many pieces as they could. But, you know, Chargers moved on from Phillip Rivers and Patriots moved on from Tom Brady, and there were just some – there were definitely some people that didn't seem to have this type of plan in mind. And fortunately for the chiefs, they look like the smartest guys in the room right now because they could go out there. Uh, we, we said this on a couple pods ago, but they could go out there today and play a game and be a well-oiled offense and do everything that they would want to do because they all were just doing it two months ago. Yep. Absolutely. Two months. Well, it's yeah. April 1st, two it's, months ago, we won the Super Bowl. Yeah, two months ago tomorrow. Yeah, 2 2 20. Um, that's wild. Well, happy two month anniversary <laughs> to our reigning Super Bowl champions. Let's celebrate it by Chiefs. recapping the worst loss in the Pat Mahomes era. The worst loss of the Pat Mahomes era. So we're talking about week five Chiefs versus Colts. The Chiefs came into this game four and one. The four Colts no. were, or four and oh, excuse me. The Chiefs were four and oh. The Colts were two and two. Jacoby Brissett leading in a Colts team that the Chiefs had just beat the brakes off of in the uh, divisional round game in January and a very different team, at least at quarterback coming into Arrowhead. Yeah. You know, Andrew Luck surprises the Colts and retires. And I, I mean, the Chiefs are four and oh, killing it, you know, throwing the ball all over the yard, looking like they were going to steamroll a home game on Sunday night football against the Colts. It was a, um, it was set up for this to be a, you know, a great showing um, except for the fact that the chiefs were so injured with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, both missing this game. That offense just did not look the same. It really didn't. And this was something that, you know, I know you and I just kind of giving our thoughts contemporaneously with kind of where, what we were feeling during the season, you know, I mean, we kept asking ourselves as we, we lost more and more players, Tyree kill in week one, Eric Fisher in week two, um, Sammy Watkins always banged up. But as we started to lose some pieces, you know, you and I were asking ourselves like, what is the the breaking point? Like Mm -hmm. at what point will Patrick Mahomes become mortal? And we saw it in this game But it's almost a little bit unfair because Patrick Mahomes got hurt in this game. Yeah. Yeah, he got his ankle stepped on by Cam Irving, and he was clearly banged up, clearly was hobbled, and he was hobbled without his top two receivers, and he throws for 321 yards, one touchdown, no picks, and that looked like the worst game of his career. And it was was the worst game on on the scoreboard by far. He scored oh, yes. that were the Chiefs scored 13 points in this game and at no point in the Pat Mahomes era have they ever scored below 23. So it was significantly the lowest output uh scoring wise. But you know, he had um DeMarcus Robinson only had 3 catches for 31 yards as the you know, de facto number one wide receiver in there. He did feed Byron Pringle quite a bit, uh, six catches for 103 yards, including that ridiculous touchdown that is still going to go on his, um, on Pat's highlight reels for years to come. Um, but outside of that, you know, Kelsey on 10 targets had four catches for 70 yards. So the Colts clearly knew with the wide receivers be, um, out that they were going to be targeting Travis Kelsey all the time. So they played great defense on him. And then there was just, there just wasn't much help. And uh, when you combine that with the Colts 
running all over the Chiefs with 132 yards from Marlon Mack and then another 40 from, you know, Wilkins and Pascal and all their other idiots. It was tough. It was a tough pill to swallow. We were so used to the Chiefs putting up 30 a game. Like it was just, it was going to happen every game, no matter what. And to see them go out there and only score 13 points was hard. It was really hard. This was a tough game because I'm not usually a guy to get into time of possession or rushing yards. Uh, you run the ball when you're ahead and teams that have a lot of rushing yards that also win a lot of games, they're winning, they're rushing because they're winning, not winning because they're rushing, if that makes sense. Yeah. The Chiefs got outrushed in this game by almost 150 yards, uh, 45 carries for the Colts for 180, and for the Chiefs, 14 for 36 yards. The time of possession battle, the Colts had the ball for 37 minutes in this game, and the Chiefs had the ball for 22 minutes and 45 seconds. The The total yardage in this game, it was only a seven-yard difference. The Colts had seven more total yards than the Chiefs. Jeez. Same number of turnovers. They each had one turnover. The Chiefs, what killed them in this game was, number one, not having very many possessions. They did have a nasty turnover, a fumble, that ended up being pretty impactful. Mm-hmm. They had... Uh, obviously they, they were not very efficient on the ground at all. They were four of 12 on third down, although the Colts were five of 14 and they had 125 yards in penalties, 11 penalties for 125 yards. So this was something where if you look back at all the darkest part, the, the darkest parts of this timeline, that was the 2019 championship season, the, the injuries were a common thread. The penalties were a common thread. These were the stories that we kept hearing after the losses was this team is too hurt and it's too undisciplined. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And yet, despite all of those horrible game situations that should lead to blowout losses and to lead to, you know, the Chiefs not being in it, with five minutes to go, the Chiefs had the ball down three. Now, it was third and 28 at their own seven. Ugh. But Pat, of course, as he always does, made something happen. He found Byron Pringle over the middle of the field. And I, I still to this day cannot believe that Byron Pringle didn't get that first down. He cut a really weird angle on it. All he need, And he might not have seen the first down marker. I don't know. Hard to say. But he ended up being tackled a yard short and then Damian Williams on an easy halfback handoff yeah. lost a yard on fourth down. And, you know, and then the Colts kicked a field goal and then the chiefs kicked a field goal and then the game was over. And it was just, um, they, the thing about Pat and Andy is still amazing to me is that they can have their absolute worst game, their worst formula for a game, their, their injury woes, their penalties, everything. And yet they're just never outclassed by the opponent. Never. They're, they've yep. been in every single game. They, you know, the most they've ever lost by is seven points. And it's just crazy to me that despite everything going wrong for this team and literally playing their worst game under or in the Pat Mahomes era, they still, you know, they had the ball with a couple minutes left. They could have done it. Yeah, and honestly, that Byron Pringle play, even though this was the game of his career, there's no excuse for him not getting that first down. And I know a lot of people were upset with Andy's call on fourth and one, too. I mean, you have to go for it. They made the right decision to go for it. But the Colts were ready for it. They blew it up. The Colts are a well-coached team. Um, Obviously, this was one of those weird, fluky games 
you, you look at games like this and you hear talking heads say, well, you know, this is the formula for beating the chiefs. You've got to run the ball, mm-hmm. limit the number of possessions. But like you said, like how many times is that? I mean, how many times should that work out really? Right. <laughs> how many times should it work? <laughs> yeah. Um, when you limit the number of possessions, you're increasing the randomness of the game, the variability. And when you're playing a great quarterback, that's all you can do. Is you Random can... chance is better than no chance. Exactly. And the more possessions there are, the more likely it is that the Chiefs are going to beat you. But even in a game with low number of possessions, the Chiefs offense still has the ball just as many times as you have the ball. Right. So, like, you still have to out-execute the Chiefs. And that's something that even in a game, again, like this, where the Chiefs were not executing at all. You remember, of course, the second and 30 left side handoff for two yards that happened like way too many times this season, I felt like. But um, the second and long running has to go. If there's anything about this offense that has to go, they have to quit handing it off in second and long. I we're going to talk about uh, some of the Chiefs virtual performances in Madden the other day. (laughs) Yeah. But just to give a teaser, I (laughs) saw – a lot of second and third and long runs by the Broncos all-time team against the Chiefs this week in the Madden simulation. It was glorious. But when the Chiefs do it, it's terrible. It, it was – I mean, it's basically like waving the white flag. What I don't understand about that play call is they almost then converted a third and yes. 28. Yes. Like just, just – just throw the ball. Yeah, just throw the just throw the ball. Just throw the ball. Good things will happen. You have the MVP. You have literally one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I, I mean, it, it's just it's so much more efficient to throw the ball. And I get that your number one wide receiver in this game is Byron Pringle, right? You still have Travis Kelsey. You still have Nicole Hardman, um, who had an okay game. You know, I mean, he did have a, a handful of plays, just like he did kind yeah. of all year. Um, but yeah, I mean. It, Anyway, let's let's Honestly, just let's let's move let's on. move past let's move past, <laughs> let's move past it. It, it yeah. was terrible. Uh, let's let's before we close the book on the worst loss in the Patrick Mahomes era, we agree it's the worst one, right? Absolutely. Okay, let's power rank the eight Patrick Mahomes losses from sure. worst to best. I, I, whatever order you want to go in, we talked about this the other day, and I think it is interesting. I mean, it's fun because there's only eight of them. And most of them really aren't that bad. Like it's really just the top three or so that are really quite infuriating, but really some of these games will be kind of fun to just mention and talk about for a minute. Well, it's also hilarious that after the two years, you know, we have eight losses to talk about, including the playoffs, which is nice. That's a, that's a good place to be in. Uh, The Broncos had more than that this year. So just to (laughs) put that into perspective, um, it's uh, it's crazy that they were all close despite being infuriating losses and that most of them was, was a loss, a chief's loss, despite the brilliance of Pat Mahomes. So let's just put that out there real quick is that these are all pretty impressive losses. So Pat, all things are possible. So jot that down. (laughs) Let's start with, since we're talking about it, let's start with the most painful losses and work our way back. Okay. So that's good. That's, that's better because then we're building towards uh, positivity and yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. So the obvious, the number one that we both agree on is this home loss to the Colts. It was terrible. I just like, I felt so helpless because we only scored 13 points. We scored an NFL record number in his first 
whatever, however many starts it was coming into that game. I think it Let's was, see, what was be, it? It was, it'd be eight, 19 plus those four. So 23. Yeah, it was 23, 23 straight games of 23 points or more, which had never been done yeah. in NFL history. And then we hit a, a weird road bump and we score 13 freaking points and we lose. It actually was, it was actually, it was 26 points every game. And uh, then, yeah. and then we hit 13. So we cut yeah. that in half. Yes. Uh, just, it was horrible. Okay. Let's close the book on that game. It was awful. Yep. Worst loss in the Patrick Mahomes era. It felt horrible and icky and blah. Yeah. What is your second worst loss? So my second one, because of the pain of the loss is the D Ford offsides, New England AFC championship game. Now, performance wise, after the abysmal first half, it was a magnificent second half. Only the third time that a player has put up 31 points on a Bill Belichick team in a half. And obviously Pat was also responsible for another one of those halves, <laughs> um, but it was, um, it was so hard to be that close and to see that pick fall and think that we're going to the super bowl uh, and then to have that rough. ripped away. Um, I think just based on the emotions involved more than the, the like disappointment in the game. Um, that was my, that was my second. Okay. Well, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Sure. Uh, I agree with all of, all of the things that you said, but because it was our first season with Patrick Mahomes and I knew something had to happen with our terrible defense, which fortunately it did. Uh, I didn't feel as bad about that loss. Now it was crushing, but I did have like kind of a 2014, 2015 yes. Royals kind of vibe, especially once 2015 or excuse me, 2019 arrived and we kind of got to, you know, get back on the field. So mine was Tennessee. Pat obviously played unbelievably in that game. Yeah. I just, we're just talking about team losses where Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback. That game was infuriating. We're going to break it down in a few weeks. Yeah. So I don't want to waste all of my good material, <laughs> but no. it was a disaster. Uh, so that was that was mine for me, and then New England would be my third. Yeah, and uh, just because we do like to parallel the Royals quite a bit on this podcast, um, the Game 7 loss to the Giants where, you know, you think about how close the Royals were and how infuriating that loss was and blah, 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 blah. And then in hindsight, when you go back and you win the 2015 World Series, you know, Game 7 didn't sting to me nearly as bad now as it would have for the rest of my life had they not immediately followed it up. And I think the new England AFC championship game would, would have felt the same way. I agree. So what was your number three? Uh, number three was the ridiculously stupid Philip rivers, two point conversion on Thursday night football that you and I were in attendance for Ugh. where the chargers beat the chiefs 29, 28. It snapped the 20, four game division win streak or something i now i don't well, really remember a, what it was a at 10 game 10 game chargers winning streak. 10 right? game chargers streak i mean the chiefs had and they still do let's let's not get it twisted but they had completely owned the afc west for several years and the chargers came in and the chiefs all they had to do was beat the chargers on thursday night football at home under the lights and they would get the one seed they would clinch the one seed for the 2018 playoffs and you know, they they went up, I believe, two touchdowns. I think it was 28-14. And then the wheels just kind of fell off on defense at the end of the game. Rivers kind of just kept chucking it up, and it kept working. Uh, we'll see that pattern emerge several times in Chiefs <laughs> losses. But, uh, you know, it was 
I hate losing to Rivers. I hate losing at home. I hate losing in the division. I hate losing on prime time. I hate losing by one on a last second two point conversion. Yeah, on the last play of the game at home. But, and he was we were wide at. open. Oh, it was horrible. It was. Uh, all and and we were there. And I hate losing when we were there. Oh, you unzip me. Yeah, yeah, you unzip me, Doc. <laughs> uh, no, that was an awful one. I, I, that was a horrible game. Um, and that had such prom- I mean, that was also Eric Berry came back. Yeah. You know, he was going to be our, he was going to be our savior. There were some dope hype videos, you know, just everything was set up for an awesome night at Arrowhead and Bob Sutton and his craptastic defense had to go and ruin it. For I, I mean, honestly, if they had not failed that two point conversion, that would go down as one of my favorite chiefs. Oh, wins. it would have been so fun. It would have been great, but that was a very similar game in a lot of ways, even though we, we scored 28. It's a very similar game to the Colts game. We only got, I think, eight possessions that entire yeah. game. Yeah. You know, it was a very low possession game, like very deliberately paced. Uh, it sucked. Um, so let's see. We're, we're up to number that the, four that was my for third. you. Yeah, yeah that'd, be my, that'd be my fourth. So what's four for you? Uh, Houston at home. So I have Pat's four home losses as the four most painful of his eight because he has four so you road still haven't, four you home. haven't even gotten to tennessee yet that's crazy to me, but <laughs> no but that's fine yeah, uh the houston, houston the houston game was we're gonna tough. talk about it next week so i mean you know we exactly uh like you said with tennessee not gonna go into it too deep but houston was tough because it was coming off of the colts loss um, Ugh, that's true ty was back the offense was back um and then there was a collapse and sean watson went nuts and it was um it was kind of it had kind of erased some of the magic off that 4-0 start the chiefs had fallen to 4-2 uh home losses suck it was just i i just remember being extremely upset at that game so houston would be houston would be 5 for me uh and then your 5 would be tennessee tennessee okay so now we're all square so now we have three three losses left and those are uh at new england Mm-hmm. In 2018, mm-hmm. at the Los Angeles Rams on mm-hmm. Monday Night Football, and at Seattle, at Seattle. That's right. So, yeah. which of those? Uh, obviously, I mean, I think we're going to agree on the. the, the I think <laughs> the, we're going to agree the on the best loss all these, in right? Chiefs history, and maybe in NFL history, is the Monday Night Shootout against the Rams. Just of a, course, just a brilliant game from start to finish. Absolute mayhem on both sides of the ball. Three defensive touchdowns. Um, definitely one of the best sports events I've ever watched and heartbreaking that the chiefs ended up on the other side of it. But I I do feel like it was um, someone had to lose that game. You know, uh, the NFL teams are two twenty two and one when scoring 50 points. So, uh, I mean, you know, it's a fun stat. It's a fun stat. We'll look back on this someday and laugh about how Pat Mahomes lost a game where he scored 50 points and had five turnovers, by the way. Yeah. And the Chiefs still scored 51 points. Now, granted, they had a defensive score, too. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he threw said, six touchdowns. He threw six touchdowns. He threw for 478 yards. <laughs> yeah. It was ridiculous. It was. Um, so that's the easiest loss to swallow. Now of we're course. Just, and then now second it's a coin flip be, between Seattle and New England. Uh, oh, it's New England for me is that. Yes. Yeah. I'm, by coin flip, I guess I meant we have two yeah. choices. Well, Not sure, that it's right. a coin no, flip. We're gonna, but We're going to agree on all of these. Yes, things. yes. Uh, New England was um, the first loss in the Pat Mahomes era. So, it was. So that's tough. Um, it was another primetime game. It was a, his first matchup against Tom Brady. 
Uh, they and Bill Belichick. They, it was his first uh, interceptions of the 2018 season. After starting the first four games without throwing a pick, he threw two picks in the first half. Um, and you know, just when the Chiefs looked down and looked like they were going to get blown out, it was the Patriots had the ball. They were up like I don't know, 19 to six or some crap like that early on in the game, and then. Pat found his swag. He hit Kareem down the sideline. He was he was doing his thing, and they ended up tying the game. And then the Patriots go down and hit a walk off field goal and win forty three forty. And the Bob Sutton fire train was on. Yeah, the Chiefs were down twenty four to nine at half yeah. in that game, and came back to tie it forty to forty with three minutes left in the game. And it was easy to. I mean, no loss is easy. But the losses that you feel the best about are the ones where you feel like if you had had one more possession, Mm -hmm. you would have won the game. Mm -hmm. And that's for sure what I felt about the Rams game. And it's for sure what I felt about the Patriots game. What was so much fun about this one was, you know, his first test against Belichick, the defensive mastermind, probably one of the greatest defensive coaches in NFL history. And you saw Belichick pull out all the stops. And for one half. Yeah. He tricked him. And then in the second half, Pat scored 31 points in a half. And then, you know, four months later or three months later, he saw him in the playoffs. Same deal. We got shut out in the first half. And then he scored 31 points in the second half again. And then the third time, we beat him. And, you know, now it's like, you know, he's seen Belichick three times. And, you know, two times he he got shut out for a half. And the entire rest of the time he ran wild on the greatest defensive coach of all time. Yep. Yep. Pretty he, cool. Um, clearly Pat gets up for those games and uh, he might be a little too amped up at first, or at least he was his rookie year or his second year, first year starting. Uh, but you could tell in the 2019 game at new England that, and we will recap that one with much joy later on uh, this spring. Absolutely. But, um, you can tell that when he figures someone out, they are cooked. They're just absolutely cooked. And that I believe is the case with Pat and Bill Belichick. You know, what's funny is when we look back, um, this is also during the period where Pat Mahomes claimed that he didn't know how to read defenses. (laughs) He did clarify, like he was, I mean, he can read defenses, but like really understanding. Yeah. Right. Really understanding coverages. And, you know, in some ways, like I'm glad that he got that test against Belichick, right? Like it's nice that we have some, and, and, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh, whichever Harbaugh. Yeah. Whichever Harbaugh is still, still coaching (laughs) in the NFL. (laughs) Uh, name your kids something a little bit different, right? So that no we kidding. can tell them apart. Jim and John, and they both have the same job. Like, come yeah, on, come on, seriously. Yeah. No, but just playing in the AFC. I mean, you do you do run into some pretty some pretty tough defenses, and him being able to be tested like that. I mean, especially against Belichick. You know, having already played the Patriots four times in two seasons. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. Like, just a you, because Three you know times, right? Twice well, no, in his I mean, first year yeah, and once yeah. last year. Yeah. Tw- oh, yeah. That's right. We did three times. <laughs> that's right. We did two plus one is three this time. We not didn't four. play them the second time this past year. <laughs> no, no, we did not see lost, them in the playoffs because they lost to the Titans. Yeah, I yep. was just chalking it up to we beat them in the playoffs because like right, like, we had to. We whatever. won the Super Bowl. It's, of course, we beat the Patriots to get course, there. Of course, we beat the Patriots in the playoffs. Anyway, three times in two years. 
just a great test because you know that every other team tries to copy what works. You know, the NFL, just the, the nature of the business is you're always going to try and take away from what teams are doing that's successful. And Bill Belichick has had more success than any coach in the history of the National Football League. And so you know that the other 30 coaches in the NFL that aren't Andy Reid or Bill Belichick are watching Pat Mahomes dice up the Patriots in the second half of those games. And they're like, well, well what, do, what do we do? Right. What? Yeah. If he can do that to them, <laughs> yeah. what's he going to do to us? <laughs> yeah. And they it's can't great. learn anything from Pat. They can't take that video and say, oh, now we know how to beat the Patriots. Because how you beat the Patriots is you have Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. Right. Exactly. So, like, they're yeah. still screwed against the Patriots. And now they realize they're screwed against the Chiefs, too. It's a, it's a fun situation for those wearing yellow and red. And uh, that – oh, we still need to, I guess – talk a little bit about that Seattle loss there yeah, was yeah. there um Barry started that game too um he had that Pat had that dope play to um Chark Hendrick West yeah that, Chark that throw that was cross his body and that's going to be on his highlight reels forever too um and it was just kind of you know the C- Seattle had some Seattle magic there they had Russell Wilson man they had the Russell Wilson magic they uh they kind of kept the Chiefs at arm's length the whole game we our defense couldn't stop a nosebleed and uh that was kind of the the tune of the 2018 season when we lost so i mean not that bad i wasn't that upset about it we still had the one seed we still had the inside track for the one seed and it was a road loss and it was to russell wilson it's that's not a very yeah russell wilson at the the height of his powers man he was dropping dimes in that game he's 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 very very good yeah so speaking of dropping dimes i don't know that that's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> I love our attempted transition sometimes. They crack I me mean, up. What I wanted to transition to was Madden because it's the only thing on right now. Esports are the only real sports. And so the uh, Bleacher Report has put together a, a tournament of all 32 teams with their all-time rosters. Now, there are some weird quirks with this, right? Yeah. Uh, each player in the history of the NFL is only allowed to be rostered to one team, which means that for instance, the chiefs offensive line does not have Willie Rofe on it because Willie Rofe is allocated to the saints all time team. Okay. It also means that the Denver Broncos who were the chiefs opponent in round one were forced to start (laughs) extremely subpar quarterback, John Elway, instead of the true greatest quarterback in Denver Broncos history, Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning was too busy squeezing out Johnny Unitas and Andrew Luck onto the bench of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Who both would have started over John Elway on the Broncos. Oh, for sure. Although Madden gave John Elway a 98 rating. Whatever. Just outrageous. Um, I just want to talk about this briefly because it was kind of fun just to watch, uh, you know, the all-time rosters go at it. Now, here I was expecting the Chiefs to have because I was not familiar with the rules of the tournament. I've since brushed up on it. Because somebody asked me on Twitter, where was Willie Rofe? And I was like, you're right. Who's this jabroni we have at left tackle? Uh, for you old-timers, I'm sure, whoever we started at left tackle in this Madden sim was amazing in his time. Wasn't Willie Rofe, though. And I wish that Willie Rofe had been in this game. Anyway, I just wanted to bring this up because, number one, there's no sports on. And number two, it was a showdown between the all-time Chiefs greats, Broncos greats. So – it was in Madden sim mode. It was just, it was hilarious, 
because the play calling was terrible. The situational awareness was terrible. Obviously, the computer's controlling the players. So everything the players is doing was terrible. The Broncos, of course, started John Elway. They were down 14-7 to after Pat Mahomes threw a bomb to Tony Gonzalez. You know, it was pretty cool to see uh, virtually. And the Broncos are driving, right? So the Broncos had first and goal at the one-yard line, okay? They ran the ball, by the way, on third and 10 from the 11 with Terrell Davis, and they converted it down at the one, which is ridiculous. Who runs on third and 10? That's outrageous. And then at who, the converts, 11. who converts on third and 10 running the ball against this Chiefs all-time defensive line? Are you kidding me? It was ridiculous. Anyway, they have first and goal at the one. And then they end up being in third and goal from like the 13 because they like had an eight yard loss on a run. John Elway gets sacked like you do. (laughs) So then the Madden commentators in the game, this was beautiful. And you can go watch the video of this because it's really funny. The Madden commentators, you know, the computer programming that, commentates Madden is like, well, you know, you're down a touchdown. You really can't kick a field goal here. There's only three minutes left in the game. So you have to go for it here on fourth and goal from the 14. And then literally as they're commenting this, you know, Vic Fangio head coach of the all time Broncos roster sends out the field goal unit and kicks a field goal. So the Broncos are down 14 to 10. They're giving the ball back to Pat Mahomes with like two and a half minutes left, whatever. So, of course, like, the Chiefs don't score, which is ridiculous. I mean, Madden Sims, whatever. I'll let you rant on that in a second. Thank you. I'm dying to. Oh, my God. I know you are. Uh, but this was great. So, this is just an example from this game. So, John Elway gets the ball back with, you know, a minute and a half to go. He's down four points in the fourth quarter. The Twitch chat's going crazy with all these Broncos fans. Like, oh, here comes the drive, 2.0, you know, blah, blah, blah. So John always doing this no huddle offense in the Madden Sim and he's checking it down in the middle of the field and they have no timeouts and you just keep burning the clock. And with like 35 seconds to go, the game technically, like it says no huddle at the top, but the Broncos are literally huddling. Like you can see them huddled in the animation (laughs) and the clock is ticking down and then Elway comes out, you know, with like 10 seconds left, eats a sack, game over, Chiefs win. We're moving on in the tournament, baby. Man. So... My, uh, my rage is untethered right now. Uh, I, <laughs> I absolutely think Madden is a travesty for a number of reasons. It is. A, as a person that has purchased, you know, 15 versions of Madden in my life, I'm a sucker. I've, I, got, I got got by them over and over and over again. And it has come to my horrid realization that they, I would rather Madden didn't exist and there'd be no football games than to have Madden as a football game. It is an ex- a poor excuse for a football game, for a it video is. game. Uh, the physics are terrible. The What happens on the field is barely resembling an NFL game. It's it's barely football. The, the pace is wrong. The, the way that the receivers catch the ball or don't catch the ball is wrong. Everything's just wrong, and they don't care. They have a monopoly on it because EA bought the NFL rights and they just have put out such a poor product for so many years that I can't even bring myself. I tried to watch this game. I watched the first half of this game and I, all I could think about was how it it was nothing like real life. It was nothing like it. And I, I just, I wish so badly that someone could take over NFL video games because they could do a great job but madden's terrible i hate it i don't ever want 
them to have any success. I hope that EA goes under. I hate them as a video game uh, company. They do a bunch of trash things to their fan base and or their user base. Uh, so uh, I guess on. EA EA won't be sponsoring this podcast anytime soon. I EA will never ever <laughs> over my dead body will be sponsoring this podcast. Let's keep talking about Madden because there was some Jesus juicy. Christ. There was some. <laughs> listen, man, it's the uh, off season. We got to talk about something. So there was a, actually. A oh yeah. Cool, All right. Honey actually a, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There actually was a pretty cool event going on today and going on through tomorrow. Today's April first. Happy April Fool's Day, jabronis. Um, there was a charity Madden tournament going on to raise funds to fight coronavirus. Yeah, that's fine. So very I'll worthy cause. And it wasn't Madden Sim. At least it was Madden players. Yes. So so Tyree Kill and uh, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, matched up in uh, Madden shortly, uh, a short while ago, or a little bit earlier today. And Tyreek played as the Bears. And if you've ever watched Tyreek's stream Madden, Tyreek is extremely good at Madden. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's well known to be one of the better Madden players in the NFL. Uh, if you recall, Taylor, I'm, yes. and I know you do, when the Chiefs started their Madden League back yes. in 2018 before <laughs> the world unleashed Pat Mahomes on everybody, Tyreek Hill was the Beals. Yes. And he was playing as the Beals, and he had to be the Bills because the Bills were terrible. And so he had gave himself like a huge handicap in the Madden League. So he played as the Bears, and Tyron played as the Chiefs, <laughs> and Tyreek beat him 66-20, to 20, Woof. and Honey Badger rage quit, and then uh, he posted, he tweeted, I don't, I don't know if this has since been deleted, but he said, yeah, I turned that shit off, that shit was lame you did last play. Shit, just a video game. That shit was disrespectful. <laughs> but I, I played you multiple times in person, and you ain't never do that. Funny what people do when they get an audience. So he was, he was very fired up. Uh, somebody replied to him and said, hey, man, it's just a game or something like that. And he said, I don't give a fuck. Disrespect <laughs> is disrespect. I don't care what we're doing. Uh, oh, I hope that they don't let them scrimmage against each other in training camp if we get there because I'm a little bit worried that Tyron might try and kill Tyreek. To be honest, though, that's the reason I like both those guys. They get under people's skin. They fight for what they, you know. I mean, Tyron will not back down from any challenge, and he'll let people know what he thinks, and Ty's going to go out there, and he's going to prod you, and he's going to – He's going to do his thing and he's going to upset you. And it's all, it, that's exactly plays to both of their strengths. What just happened there. I totally and agree. Uh, it's just, th- that's just such a tie move, just a punk badger like that. And uh, I'm here for it. You know, I completely agree. And I, this is like uh, you and I, obviously we've never participated in, in any level of, uh, you know, professional athletics or even really amateur. athletics. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I will say I do strongly identify with and completely understand the uh, rage that comes from losing at anything. That's what makes you good at sports, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you got to yep. be also a world-class athlete, but you know, you got to have that, you got to have that fire, that vinegar boiling up in you. <laughs> so uh, Ty, Tyron definitely has that for sure. Tyron's definitely Vic Vinegar and Ty was Hugh Honey. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I identify with Tyreek Hill putting the beat down on via Madden because that was what I was extremely fond of until I realized how horrible Madden was. Um, I routinely blew out my little brother and other people I played online by a bunch of points. It was fun. Never again though. 
Never again. So let's close it out with something that's not really cheese related. We might get a little cheese related stuff. Who knows? I don't want to give away my draft strategy. <laughs> so what we're going to do is, and you know, it's the off season. Uh, we're all quarantined. We have no idea what this off season is going to be like. And thanks to Josh Briscoe, we now have a bigger audience. So we have to create content for you. What we're going to do right now is we're going to draft uh, 10 quarterbacks. This is based on their all-time greatness, goatdom. That's all the parameters we're going to give, okay? It's pretty nebulous. We're leaving it open-ended for a reason. It's just it'll be more fun that way. You know, you can't just say you get to draft this guy's career because there's just a lot of variables, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that go into a quarterback's greatness that are really team accomplishments or coach accomplishments, whatever. So we're just going to leave it at we're going to draft – and uh, you guys can let us know on Twitter who who drafted the better five quarterbacks. Who who gets to pick first? What what are the rules? <laughs> what are the rules? Uh, I would say. So why don't we do this? I'll ask you a stat for a random oh, I like quarterback. This. Okay. And if you get within an agreeable amount, then you can go first. Or I can choose where I draft. I don't want to go first. All right. Sure, sure, sure. Well, if you don't want to go first, I'm just going to go first. Okay, that's Then we both win. All right, great. All right. So. Wait, are we snaking or are we just going to go? That's why you don't want to go first, obviously. That's that. Well, yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, I just got him. Uh, (laughs) I. Okay. You don't know who your first overall pick is going to be? No, I do. I do. I'm trying to to introduce it. I'm trying to. So here's what we're doing here. We're building, we're building a group of five that we think would stand up against the other person's group of five favorably among the masses. Yeah, okay. That's what we're doing. Sure. Yep. And I, I thought about picking someone else at number one. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm picking Pat Mahomes. I'm doing it. I'm picking him 1-1. It doesn't mean he's – it doesn't mean I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but it does mean that I cannot live with him being on your five. I can't do well, it. Well, that's – totally fair and i did not expect you to pick him first overall but i can't dispute it either i mean (laughs) honestly we've talked about this obviously in previous episodes we're going to be talking about it until and after patrick mahomes is inducted into canton and is recognized by everyone as the greatest quarterback who ever lived yes but i mean this is part of the reason why we didn't define this because you know, I mean, if I were picking any quarterback in the history of football to just start from scratch and like, this is who I want from day one, like, I, I can't argue with it. Well, I do have a, uh, some just tidbits on Pat. Okay. Because that's yes, always do fun. It. Yeah. Well, of course. Um, he is currently the all time leader in passer rating in the NFL. Uh, do you it's know, good. do you know what his lead is over second place? Uh, it's gotta be who is second place. Well, take a guess. I'm sure you could probably guess. Uh, it's either Rogers or Wilson. It's Rogers. Okay. Uh, Rogers has a and career passer rating like of 102.2. Okay. Well, I've done my research. I, I was right in the ballpark and Russ is right behind him. I think Russ is at like 101. Russ is at uh, 100.7, yeah. 101. Good job. I mean, Pat is at what? Like 109? 108.6. Nailed it. Pretty good. Pretty good. So, so Pat is the career leader in passer rating, which is again, a, a rate stat. So, you know, he's been, he's been dope. Uh, his career win percentage, including the playoffs 
do you think it is because it's close? Do you think it's slightly better or slightly worse than Tom Brady's? Uh, it's probably slightly worse. It is slightly better. Uh, what? Pat's Pat's tw- <laughs> career win uh, loss record is seven seventy eight percent. 77.8% and Tom Brady's is 76.4, including the playoffs. So Pat actually has the third currently now he's only played two seasons, but he currently has the third highest winning percentage of all time. That's pretty good behind Otto Graham and Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. Hmm. Yep. So uh, many reasons Pat, to pick Pat. Pat. Head to head. He is, he is one of 10 quarterbacks that has both a Super Bowl win and an MVP. So, um he's already climbed the mountain he's already done the impossible he's only one of two quarterbacks to throw for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards I could go on everyone listening knows all of his accolades and all the reasons that I do believe he's a legitimate choice here for 1-1 I can't dispute any of it and I and I won't and I I will just happily move on and draft my next two picks which would have been my top two (laughs) No offense to Pat, who obviously will eclipse them all by the time he's like 30 years old. That's fine. But, I just needed Pat. I just needed him. So, I, yeah, I get it. I was going to go number one with Peyton Manning. Sure. The reason, I mean, I've, everybody knows who Peyton Manning is and why he's so great. This was sort of a, like I said, pretty nebulous exercise. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing about Peyton Manning. When you strip away everything in a quarterback's career, everything around them that contributes to their career, their greatness, their coaching, their defenses, their mm-hmm. path to the playoffs. You know, Peyton Manning, there, there are a lot of great quarterbacks who have won a lot and posted very impressive numbers. But you can say, well, yeah, but, you know, Joe Montana had Bill Walsh, Tom Brady had Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick's defenses, and he had the AFC East. Peyton Manning was basically like his own offensive coordinator and, yeah. and was setting – all-time record was incredible at it the the single season touchdown leader you know top three all-time and touchdown passes and only because he's not still playing you know he he ended up retiring a little bit earlier than Breeze and Brady who are still going uh just an unbelievable player obviously the source of a lot of frustration for Chiefs fans uh but I just it's hard to it's just hard to look at that guy and say, now granted he had some really good receivers and things throughout his career. But like, if you want to point to his inbuilt advantage, it was being raised by an NFL quarterback, right. Yeah. To, to be an NFL quarterback someday. Right. Like that, that was his, uh, that was his cheat code, but he just succeeded at an unbelievable level and did it. I don't want to say single-handedly, but certainly without the help that a lot of other great quarterbacks have had. Fair. So good pick. With the number three overall pick, I'm going to take the greatest quarterback to never win a Super Bowl, Ah. Dan Marino. Yeah. Dang it. Dan Marino. No, there's no way you're going to get Dan Marino at 1.4. you kidding me, bro? I know it. Listen, Dan Marino was amazing. We've talked about Dan Marino before. We talk about Dan Marino a lot in the context of Patrick Mahomes because he's the guy that you compare all great young quarterbacks to. Because in 1984, in Dan Marino's second season in the NFL, he had what could be, in the context of the time period, probably is, the greatest single season of any quarterback in NFL history. He went 14-2. and He threw for 5,084 yards. He threw for 48 touchdowns. 
those were NFL records that would stand <laughs> by a until, country mile. Yeah, by a country mile until they were broken by I believe Manning Peyton. broke the single season touchdown record in Peyton broke ninety nine two thousand oh four his oh four years when he threw forty nine touchdowns and broke. Um, so that record Marinos. stood for almost thirty years. Yeah, man, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so. So we've talked about this before in the context of John Elway in our John Elway roast segment. Check it out in the gang roast Elway plug for that. It's also in our first episode, but Taylor, our wonderful producer, as well as co-hosts <laughs> cut that out so that you can enjoy it just in its entirety on a, as a standalone episode. Dan Marino retired with 420 touchdowns. People talk about how Elway retired and had the most touchdown passes of all time when he retired. That is true but only because Dan Marino played one more year and retired after him. And when he retired, so, I mean, Elway had the second most touchdown passes when he retired, sure. uh, but Dan Marino had 420 touchdowns and John Elway was in second place and he had 300. <laughs> okay. Dan Marino had 25% more touchdowns than the guy in second place all time. That is absurd. That is like Babe Ruth shit right there. Yes. I mean, I'll, and, I'll be honest. If someone yeah. wants to argue that Dan Marino is the greatest quarterback of all time, I have no arguments. He, he is just phenomenal. I mean, he was amazing. Um, he, uh, he was amazing for his time. He was so ahead of his time, just as insufficiency as a passer. Do you know that Dan Marino had just, well, I'm not going to spend this whole podcast discussion on <laughs> Dan Marino, but do you know that you Dan could. Marino in 1988 and 1989 he had a sackless streak that stretched something like he didn't get sacked for something yeah. like 20 straight games. Yeah, for he sure. He had six total sacks in 1988. He took six sacks on 606 <laughs> dropbacks. He dropped back to pass 606 times and he was sacked six times. Honestly, when I saw that, unbelievable. I looked back and I thought that maybe uh, Pro Football Reference's sack data was incomplete. I like yeah. literally was like, "There's no way it was zero. It's impossible. That it must it's have start. They must have missed a season of sacks or something. Oh, it's but just ridiculous. No, yeah, he was. Uh, his pocket awareness was incredible. He got the ball out so quickly. Uh, he had a great line, but he was just. I mean, damn He's the man. Great. He was great. Yep. So number so four, I've got some got? super intriguing options here. I, you I'm do. really. Uh, and you're going two picks. You have two picks in a row, right? I do. Stick I do. Um, I do think that the first one that I have to pick is uh, Joe Cool, Joe Montana. I think okay. that, that right. was, uh, you know, his four Super Bowls are great and no losses in the Super Bowl. Uh, three Super Bowl MVPs, two uh, regular season MVPs. He had a 92.7 career rating, which was great for his era. Um, yeah. So to put that in perspective, John Elway's highest passer rating his career high in passer rating and mind you he played the exact same time that joe montana did so don't give me anything about this eras okay in fact this happened in the last year of his career that he set this mark okay so this number is inflated john elway's career high was 93.0 joe montana's <laughs> career was 92.7 and john elway's career was 79.8 yeah, so, I mean, yeah i mean just ridiculous so Obviously, Joe, there's a million different reasons, uh, holds a special place in my heart as of course. Uh, Chief's great and is just a sweet dude and happens yeah, to be awesome. a lot of players or a lot of fans answers for the greatest quarterback of all time. 
and uh you know he's really got the accolades he's kind of the the Brady before Brady where, where I guess that might be Terry Bradshaw, but either way, uh, I think, uh, Joe's an easy pick there. So I'm going to go with Joe at fourth overall. Okay. Who are you taking at 1.5? And this is where I've, I've bounced back and forth a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with Drew Brees and okay. I, All right. I, I kind of, I probably oh, so leave him for me, but that's yeah, all right. I you know, yeah, I mean, it's a great pick. I can't, gotta, I can't dispute it. He's got to go on a team somewhere, I guess. Uh, so Breeze, I know everyone knows the, the numbers and everything, but he is the stat king. He is absolutely completion percentage yards, touchdowns. Um, he's done. He's stuffed the box score the way that no one else in his passing heavy era has. And it's it's too bad for him that he doesn't have an MVP. Um, Pat crazy. might have cost him one in eighteen. He's yeah. been he's been very close a couple of times. He's clearly been the best quarterback in football several times. Um, he's just his, his knowledge of the offense is incredible. He's very much the Peyton Manning as far as uh, running the offense and knowing where everyone's supposed to be. And I mean, he's been around forever too. Um, his longevity, you know, I mean, Breeze has been, been there since the early two thousands. And, uh, I just, I respect a lot about what he puts on the field every Sunday or Monday. Great dude too. Great dude. Super, super dude. Yeah. Uh, very happy to have him on my drafted team. Yeah. Just to, to give a specific example of how prolific Drew Breeze has been, uh, there have been. 13 no excuse me there have been 12 5,000 yard passing seasons in NFL history and Drew Brees has five of those yeah five of the 12 five of the 12 uh and he also had a season of 4,952 yards so he just missed he has one of 4,870 um you know I mean Drew Brees has led the NFL not just the NFC but has led the NFL in passing yards seven times in his career which is just outrageous. Yeah. Uh, led the league in touchdowns four times. I mean, just an unbelievable player and, and completion percentage. I mean, he's setting a new record for completion percentage. New standard. Year. Absolutely. I mean, and that's in the same era with Brady and Manning. Like he's yeah. not doing this against chumps and yeah. Rogers and, and all these guys, you know, what, what is amazing to me about breeze. And I, I, I mentioned this probably um, I probably on Twitter, but it's amazing to me. You know, Drew Brees was not picked when the NFL did their top 10 quarterbacks of all time, top 100 players, top 10 quarterbacks. They didn't pick Drew Brees. And it's crazy to me. Yeah. And I think part of it comes down to, you know, the power of first impressions is so strong. And Drew Brees was short and small. Yep. And, you know, he, he, he had an okay start to his career in San Diego, but you know, he doesn't somehow for the, the guy who's literally the all time leader in passing and touchdowns in NFL history, mm-hmm. he, uh, pff, somehow he's never won an MVP and he didn't even get picked for the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. It's crazy <laughs> to me. I, I, I don't, I don't understand it. Whereas you have a guy like John Elway who came into the NFL as this mega hyped Uber prospect and really kind of sucked, as we've talked about numerous times. And people are talking about him. I mean, he's on the top 10 all-time quarterbacks list. I, it's, it's crazy to me. It's a great pick. Do you think it's just the one Super Bowl? Is you know, that what's holding him back? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely part of it, right? But people but like, talk about Marino, and he never even got there. 
Right, exactly. He, and, he lost one. And, and Marino is on that list. I mean, like, people yeah. do talk about, and, and yes. rightfully so. I mean, Marino was amazing. But, uh, yeah, but, it's... But what are the big differences between Marino and Breeze? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. And 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 Breeze, Breeze won a ring. Breeze a ring. Yeah, I know. Breeze, Breeze won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, it just is crazy to me because you look at those Saints teams and, my goodness, we could go through and look at their rankings on the defensive side yeah. for his entire career. Trash. You, you want to talk to me, John Elway fans, about John <laughs> Elway dragging terrible teams to the playoffs? Yes. Go, go take a look at Drew Brees' defenses and let come talk to me, okay? Because, uh, and and honestly, even on the offensive side, I mean, I know, like I was Marcus, about to say. Marcus Colston, wasn't he undrafted or he was like a seventh round pick, something like that? I mean, until they got Mike Thomas, they have not had an offensive star on the Saints yeah. other than Drew Brees. I mean, it's oh, I mean, been it's crazy. absolutely him just putting that team on his back. I have I have nothing but great things to say about Drew. You want to talk to me about Brady not having any weapons? He had the greatest tight end, arguably. I mean, (laughs) you know, okay. One of the greatest tight ends of all time. A top top three three (laughs) all-time tight end. Drew Brees never – well, I mean, he had Jimmy Graham, but whatever. Anyway. He made Jimmy Graham. You saw what happened to Jimmy Graham when he left the the Saints. Yeah, that's true. Man, Bears, what are you doing, man? Signing the ghost of Jimmy Graham, whatever. Or halfway through. We got five so, down, five to go. You're up. Five down, five to go, and I still have three picks left. You do. I have Manning and Marino in the bag. <laughs> I'm going to take <laughs> with 1.6. Yeah. I'm going to take Tom Brady. Yeah, of course. I got to do it. I mean, yep. listen, we bag on Brady I know. all the time. He's great. Uh, he's great. It's going to be really fun to see what he does on the Bucks this year, you know, away from New England, away from Bill Belichick. Yeah, I think by uh, fun you mean like – fun because he's gonna suck right yeah i think he's gonna suck uh, he's probably gonna suck i mean he's 43 right like right. It, the, right. the things that i and we obviously you know everybody outside of new england is a brady hater to some extent uh what what is amazing about tom brady is number one his longevity is unbelievable yeah and and breeze too i mean you know playing quarterback this long in the nfl is really hard to do you guys even with modern sports medicine and science and everything like that, you know, Manning fell off a cliff. Rivers has kind of fallen off a cliff. Eli Manning was never that good, but he's fallen off a cliff. Um, it's tough. And every time Tom Brady throws a pass, he's basically setting an NFL record because of how damn old he is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's still playing at a, a reasonably high level in the NFL, uh, you know, whatever the nine Super Bowl appearances, the six Super Bowl rings, eh, you know, good. I mean, you know, it's pretty fine. good. Yeah. You give him, even if you give him <laughs> half, risks, even if you give him half credit for that. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's still pretty, that's still pretty good. So, yeah, yeah. Fine. uh, you know, Tom Brady. Okay. Fine selection. Pretty good pick. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little bit of curveball here. Oh, I wish I, think. I could guess I, it. I, I mean, maybe you can guess it. Well, yeah, I, but, Go ahead. I'm going to go with Steve Young. Ah, he was on my sleeper team. I was thinking about oh, grabbing him on my fifth. Okay, pick, so I'm going to – yeah, Steve Young. So here's the deal with Steve Young. So Steve Young was actually drafted into the USFL, yep. which is uh, if you ever get a chance, there's a really good um, book called Football for a Buck by Jeff Perlman, I think. Um, and Steve Young was kind of like – he was a very hyped prospect coming out of college. The USFL was this goofy, you know, it was kind of a precursor to the XFL. It was kind of a goofy spring football thing. It was actually 
completely derailed and destroyed by Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> if you're, all the other things he's derailed and destroyed. Yeah, exactly. Um, too hot, too hot. Too hot. Uh, but uh, Donald Trump bought into the league and then basically ran it into the ground. But Steve Young was convinced and his agent was actually, do you know who his agent was? Um, was it Pat's agent? Yes, Lee Steinberg. Lee Steinberg was his agent. So he actually signed for into the USFL and he was going to be their big star and it didn't pan out. So when Steve Young finally got a chance to play full time as an NFL starter, because then, you know, once he made it to the NFL, he uh, was stuck on a very, very bad Tampa team for a couple of years before he wound up That's in right. San Francisco. Man, I forgot about the Tampa years. Behind, yeah, he had a 2-12 and 12 season in Tampa as their starting quarterback. And then he got shipped off to San Francisco where he sat behind your pick, Joe Montana, winner of four Super Bowls, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So Steve Young didn't get a chance to start in the NFL until he was 30 years old. And when he finally got a chance, when Montana got hurt, he started 10 games that year. He went five and five. He led the league in uh, quarterback rating, led the league in yards per attempt, but only had a five and five record. Next year, he goes 14 and two, and he reels off just an incredible run from his age 31 to his age 37 seasons. He was averaging 3,466 yards a season, 25 touchdowns, uh, 102.5 102.5 passer rating in the 90s. <laughs> I, I mean, he he led the league in passer rating five or excuse me six times the league, the NFL yeah. six times, and he became a starter when he was 31, a full time starter when he was 31 years old. I mean, uh, when I'm drafting, you know, when I'm drafting quarterbacks, like longevity is important. You know, mm-hmm. the best ability is availability. Whatever, all those dumb sports cliches. I like guys that have uh, incredible peak. Yep. And Ceilings. boy, boy was Steve Young's peak just unbelievable. He peaked. He peaked hard and uh everybody felt it. <laughs> they sure did. Yeah, that's a that's a great pick. I definitely was eyeing him on some of my, you know, my potential later picks, but uh good on you. Uh I am going to go with um I have Oh, I have two choices here, but I get them both. So great. Yep, so I don't yep, have to yep. pick between the two. Uh, nope. I'll start off with the NFL leader in interceptions thrown, which seems Hell like yeah, a, all right, sure. <laughs> seems like an interesting uh, way to describe it. But obviously, what Brett Favre meant to the league and what he was able to accomplish in his time in Green Bay was absolutely legendary. Um, you know, he did have the three MVPs, which is great. That's uh, second most behind Peyton Manning, tied for second most with Johnny Unitas. Uh, he was just so fun to watch. I was a kid growing up in the 90s NFL, and when Brett Favre was doing his thing, I mean, it was absolute must-see TV, kind of the same sort of superlatives that you hear about Pat and some other stuff. And really, the the Pat and Favre comparisons have been coming since the day Pat was, um, you know, kind of first discovered. Yeah, Um, before he was even drafted, for sure. And where Pat refined his certain wild characteristics, or maybe never even had him in the first place, man, Favre definitely had no (laughs) qualms about just chucking it and running around and closing his eyes and throwing a prayer and just kind of, you know, backyard football to the truest sense of the word. And, but he was also just straight up incredible. He would have these types of throws that 
only someone with a rocket arm and with the balls to make the attempt could could pull off. And I, I just he he wowed me since the day he came into the league, and I would be very very remiss if I did not add him to my quarterback team here. So. Yeah, he certainly was a lot of fun. And your team is uh, you've got Papa Holmes, hell and and Brett Favre <laughs> on the same team. I mean, yeah. you know, you're gonna be going to be dropping bombs i mean you know it's uh it's a fun team for sure it is a fun team and you can tell that i pick it based on uh some some kind of uh wild characteristics uh my fifth pick and final addition to the taylor's dope ass quarterback club is going to be the general of the greatest show on turf and kurt warner did some things that ah. were were absolutely Hmm. just jaw dropping sleepers too well yeah i mean look we're at the we're at around the 10th and he is certainly top 10 uh discussion and worthy and all that stuff um yeah it depends on what you like but i know what you like and i also like it so (laughs) exactly right i like offense baby and these guys brought it uh Kurt was the only, still is the only quarterback to win both MVP and Super Bowl MVP in his first season starting. Now, granted, he had the great story too, which is not, um, you know, something that hurt his career numbers, but it didn't hurt his narrative at all. Uh, with no, bagging yeah. groceries and then gets picked up by the Rams. Trent Green goes down. Kurt Warner steps in and just absolutely tears the world on uh, apart and. You know, it helps to have Marshall Falk, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, yada, yada, yada. But all of those guys will say that Kurt Warner made that team go. And it was also evident because in his later years, dude was still going to a Super Bowl when he was 36 or 5 or whatever it was with Arizona. So, I mean, he definitely had it late into his career as well. And, uh, you know, he had the two MVPs despite not starting until he was 28. He has a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, He's got the ring. Uh, he lost two other Super Bowls, one to the Steelers with the Cardinals and then one to Tom Brady. Um, he, a 94.6 career rating was just, he was just always, always, always in the discussion for best quarterback in the league while he was around. And uh, he slung it. He slung it with the best of them. Yeah. Another guy that had a great peak and then really had like, really had two peaks, right? Yeah. Like kind of uh, yeah. when he first came into the league and then late career resurgence after Matt Leinart flamed out horribly in Arizona, went to that Super Bowl, a really fun Super Bowl too. Uh, I was rooting for the Cardinals, um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald and those guys. That was a really fun Cardinals team. And just a just a good dude and uh, a great player for sure, um, leading those greatest show on turf Rams. Uh, that's a good pick. He definitely was on my list as well. So I am closing it out. The whole um, NFL available to you. Yeah, right. Literally everyone left. There's a lot of guys that I could go with here. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was either him or Brody Croyle. It was neck and neck. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, him, Brody Croyle. Uh, I actually have an honorable mention that I'll that I'll throw in here sure. at the end. Same. Aaron Rodgers. What do you need to say about him? We've all seen Aaron Rodgers. He's still playing. Rodgers. He's, he's the current NFL leader, a career leader in passer rating until Pat, you know, qualifies and gets on the leaderboard. Yeah, I think it's fifteen hundred attempts is okay. the qualification, and oh, Pat's okay, at good. like eleven hundred or so. I mean, he'll he'll okay, be. So I mean, you know, he'll have year. it. Yeah, yep. right. And then he'll be the leader forever and always. Yep. So he seizes it next year, probably in about week 
12 or so yeah. Yeah. uh 400 attempts yeah that'd be about two-thirds of the way through the season probably i mean with Pat, maybe times. not maybe it's maybe game not. three maybe not could be could be could be Charlie. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with an honorable mention here because you know you you picked a chief. But yeah. I was gonna go with Lenny the Cool. Yeah. As my honorable mention. Yeah. Because I don't think we talk about enough. I mean, obviously, now the Chiefs have broken the schneid. We have another Super Bowl winning quarterback. But even even before you know we kind of got off that narrative, I just wanna I just wanna show a little love to Len Dawson before we tap out sure. for this episode. So Len Dawson really was an unbelievably good quarterback. You know, he didn't get a chance to start 14 games in a season until he was 27 years old. So another Mm guy who kind of broke a a late bloomer and was playing in at the time, you know, kind of a joke league like the USFL, the AFL, which then turned out to be not a joke at all (laughs) when Lenny was beating the NFC champions in Super Bowl four but Len Dawson led the league in passer rating six times in essentially uh, essentially like a 13-year career as a starter. He led the league in completion percentage eight times. Jeez. He led the league in touchdowns four times. He led the league in touchdown percentage five times. Attaboy, Lenny. He, he led the league in yards per attempt three times. Len Dawson was really, really, really good. Yep. Um Len Dawson actually has a higher career quarterback rating than John Elway, <laughs> despite playing in. Yeah, it's eighty-two point three. Not bad. A, a good player, and actually broke a hundred in quarterback rating in nineteen sixty-six, which for the time would have been. Jeez. I mean, just blowing everybody sits off. Yeah. Hit thirty touchdowns in nineteen sixty-four in a time when thirty touchdowns was just an outrageous number, and that was our franchise record, of course, until Pat broke it against the Cardinals in twenty eighteen. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to, you know, yeah, I just wanted to throw out, out a great little love out. for Len Dawson, a guy that you don't, I, I mean, Len Dawson was never going to be even honorably mentioned in the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. Dude was really good. He was really, really good. Uh, and my honorable mention is a guy that uh, is probably now known less as his, as his, from his quarterback ability and more as his broadcasting ability. But hmm. man, Tony Romo could cook. That guy, Uh, do you know what his career rating was? Yes, I do. Not off the top of my (laughs) head, but I know because listen, he was on my list too, bro. Like we got the same, we got the same list. We're working for the same material. We got, we know talent, but we do know Romo through 35,000 yards in his career had 250 touchdowns and only 120 picks. And, you know, never really got, I feel the love that he deserved as a quarterback, um, probably because of the playoff collapse, probably because he didn't have any MVPs and all that stuff. He was never the, the top of the mountain, but that guy, it was so good. And it's just, it's incredible to me that um, he's going to be remembered for being one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. Will go and down. one of the richest broadcasters of all it's time. It's kind of like how people don't remember that Chris Collinsworth was a pro bowler. Uh, he, yeah. uh, he was really good at football, but now he's, he's a broadcaster, but right. uh yeah, uh, Romo. it's kind of like how Dan Fouts. Wait, never mind. No, nah, that's, just just kidding. No, that's that's some the other, opposite. Some other people that I did consider, um, I did consider Johnny Unitas. He, of course, was obviously. Yeah, we do. We do have a little bit of a modern QB bias to this. We do. We do. We we watched him, and there's 
there's something to be said for um, knowing their body of work a little bit better. But that being said, there's also something to be said for knowing your audience, <laughs> unlike the NFL when they're top 100, which included like 50 players from before 1950. No kidding. Jesus. Come on, guys. They were. You don't want to hear so us talk about. You don't want to hear us talk about. You know, Johnny Unitas or Otto Graham or any of those <laughs> dudes. If you do, let us know, and I guess we can do a special episode on that. Yeah, exactly. I can get my grandpa to come on and tell <laughs> tell all about autogram back in the day. But you know, we uh, we do know what our audience wants. They want Chiefs content. They want you know they want hips and nips, and we're here to give it to them. So <laughs> here uh, to make it sexy. Exactly. So you know, keep tuning in. Keep uh, showing us the love. And uh, Sports Illustrated, here we come. <laughs> 